So excited to get to share with you guys today. Uh, we started a, a series last week called How to Be, and it's all about relationships. And, um, you know, for the years that, that I've been reading the Bible, um, for the times that I've studied, uh, we're talking today about what Jesus has to say about relationships. And for me, what I've gathered up to this point, if I could paraphrase, not quote scripture, but paraphrase what Jesus has to say about relationships, I'd say this. Jesus would say to us that my kingdom in you can produce a righteousness that will transform your relationships. It will change your relationships. And so today, we want to talk about how to be Christ-like in our closest of relationships. You are going to hear uh, several marriage illustrations today because this is the closest of all human relationships, is the marriage relationships. But honestly, you guys, if you're sitting here today and you're not married, maybe you're uh, pre-married, post-married, maybe you're widowed, uh, and you're thinking, wow, this is all about marriage, it doesn't pertain to me, let me just say this to you. What we're really talking about is, is living the Christian life in your cr closest relationships. So even though we're using some marriage illustrations, this works, these principles pertain to all of our relationships, but in particular, those that are closest to us. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit uh, to be Christ-like in our, in our closest relationships. Um, I love Billy Graham, and I love to listen to Billy Graham. And here's what, here's what Billy Graham has to say about living the Christian life. This is him quoting, talking about himself. It says, Billy Graham cannot live the Christian life. I've tried. I can't do it. But with the help of the word of God and the help of the Holy Spirit, I can live the Christian life because he lives it through me. Now, I figure if Billy Graham says he needs the word of God and the Holy Spirit to do it, I probably need the word of God and the Holy Spirit to do it too because I have total respect for him. So we're gonna look at a, a fairly lengthy passage in the Bible. You're, you're very familiar with it, most of you, I'm sure. Even if you've just spent a little bit of time in church, uh, you're gonna recognize some of these things as I read my way through them. So go ahead and, and you know, get your eyes trained to your handouts or to the screen and we'll read our way through this and we'll move on from there. This is Galatians chapter five, starting at verse 13. This is what the Bible has to say. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. In other words, cooperate with God. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do what is evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are what? 
constantly fighting each other. So you are not free. You are not free to carry out your good intentions. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Now let me stop here for just a moment and say to you guys, none of the things that I just read to you are relationship builders. I was the recovery guy here at North Point for a lot of years. Uh, Now we've got a young, handsome guy that leads our Celebrate Recovery ministry. You guys should really come and check it out and hear him speak. But there's a reason I was the recovery guy. I've been to a lot of wild parties and not one of them helped me build a Christ-like relationship. Not one of them helped me build a healthy relationship at all. None of those things that I just read to you helped build any relationship that I have ever had and they won't help you either. It goes on, let me tell you again as I have before that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Remember now, the kingdom of God in you is what will transform your relationships. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, I used to teach a class here at North Point uh, several years ago where we talked about how one of the purposes of our lives as Christians was to become more Christ-like. That was one of the reasons that God put us here. And I used to like illustrate that point by saying to people, it, you know, if we're gonna try to be more Christ-like, well, then we have to know what Christ is like. I mean, what is he like? What are his attributes? And this passage gives us some, not all, of the attributes of Christ. He is all of these things that I just read to you. Love, joy, peace, those things. This is what we're gonna focus on this week in our relationship building series. You know, if you were here last week when we kicked the series off, uh, Pastor Shane, Pastor Emma did an excellent job with this. Uh, I captured a couple of quotes of theirs as I was listening. Uh, Pastor Shane said that if Christianity is, it's about change if it's about anything. And he said that Christians should be relationship healers, and that is true. That is another one of the purposes for which we exist. And then Pastor Emma did such an outstanding job reminding us that no matter how often we come to church, uh, no matter how many times we're on the campus, no matter how many ministries we're serving in, that it, it, it's relationships that matter. She said, service to the Lord does not justify bad relationships. And I thought that was a great quote because we can all be very busy about the things of God, can't we? We need to know that our relationships matter more to God than our busyness does and the things that we're doing. So, so far, you know, we've heard um, what I think Jesus says 
Uh, We've heard what Billy Graham has to say. We've heard what the Bible has to say, what Pastor Shane and Pastor Emma have to say. And if you're like me, somebody's saying, hey, here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to do. My question is, okay, how? Don't just tell me to do it. Tell me how. And so that's where we're going to go now. We're going to go over some practical, like, like, how do we do this? How do we be more Christ-like in our closest relationships? How do we demonstrate the character of Christ to our spouse? And so here's your first point, your very first fill-in. And I hope you guys will take good notes today. Here's what it says. Always be the one to instigate niceties and thoughtfulness. Be, be the good one first. Be the, be the nice one first. Be thinking of your husband or your wife first. We're talking about sowing in the spiritual gift of kindness here. That's the first one we're gonna pull out. Be the polite and considerate one. We're also talking about sowing in the gift of goodness here. We want to take good, the goodness that we have experienced as a result of our relationship with Christ and sow that into our relationship. And we want to do it with a genuine smile, you guys, with a genuine smile. You know, years ago, I learned about something called a gallows smile. And it, and it looks kind of like this. And, and, and where this comes from is at a certain point in history, um, when they were going to hang a man, they would uh, put the rope around his neck and they would tell him a joke so he was smiling when they let the bottom out and he, and he went, you know. So it's called a gallows smile. And we all do it. We all can do it. We can smile when there's a rope around our neck. We can come to the church patio. Our wife or husband can ask us to do something we don't want to do. You, you guys, you know this is true. Like, like, like me in the hallway, you know, is my wife like making the bed in there? I should make myself scarce around here while she's doing that. And then she catches me and I'm like, I would love to help right now. That is a gallows smile. When we're, when we're sowing in kindness and goodness, we want to do it with a genuine smile because we get to do that. Take a look at Galatians 5.13. Here's what this says. It was the opening verse this morning. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. I love where the Bible says, don't do this, do this instead. I don't do well with a lot of don'ts. But if you tell me don't and tell me to do this instead, I'm pretty happy with that. So I love where the Bible does that. Don't do this, but do this instead. Share your good day. Share your hope at home. Share your hope in your closest relationships. Philippians chapter two says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship of the spirit, 
any tenderness, compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Here it is again. Do nothing or don't act out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, do what? Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, one of the best ways to do this in your marriage or in your closest relationship is to make sure that you know each other. Like, get to know the other person. That's your next fill-in. Always be prepared to educate yourself about your loved one. This is a weak area of mine as a husband. I, I can tell you, if you were to ask me on the patio, I could probably tell you the head coaches of all 32 NFL teams because I love football. But if you ask me my wife's shoe size, oh, six to eight? <laughs> That's close enough, right? I mean, like, I don't know. It's a weak area of mine. So how do we get better at this? Well, let's look at two more gifts of the Spirit. We do it by practicing love and practicing love as an action. Like, get used to doing it. Get used to loving somebody on purpose. When I met my wife, I was not the best at giving and receiving love. As a matter of fact, I wasn't any good at it all, at all. But I watched her, and here's what she did. She was nice to people, so I started being nice to people. She hugged people, so I started hugging people. She told people she loved them, so I started telling people I loved them. Can I be honest with you? Way before I was ready for it. But, but she had something about her that I wanted, that she was sharing with other people, so I had to practice it. Some of us, that's just where we are. We have to, we have to practice love as an action. Here's another one for me, gentleness. Gosh, this is a difficult one for me, especially when life is hard. So two gifts of the Spirit we're practicing here, love and gentleness, all right? Galatians 5 says that the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So who does the most for us? Who does the most for you? And how do, how do you treat them? The better question might be like, why do we sometimes take them for granted? They're people, not things. And we're to love people, not things. We're to use things and not people. You guys understand? We love people when we use things. We have to be very careful when we get used to our husband, when we get used to our wife. And we need to be very, very careful when we catch ourselves using other people because they do things for us and it becomes an expectation of ours. This is what this person does in my life. Not this is who this person is in my life. We gotta be very careful there. 
I'm going to read you a, a, a verse that was life-changing for me, and then I've got a couple comments to make about it for you guys. 1 Peter 3.7 says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Okay. This verse is one of the verses that helped change my life. I included it in this message. I included it in your handouts. They printed the handouts. And then I sat down to study this message one final time before walking out here to deliver it. And my first thought was, man, why did I step in that weaker partner theological mess right there in the middle? And what am I going to do with it in the time allotted to me? I know that this is a trigger phrase for some of us. So here's what I decided to do with it. I'm gonna bounce it back to you and I'm gonna ask you this question. Why are you focused on that part and not everything that surrounds it? Why are you not focused on the part where it says treat them with respect and that they are heirs with you? And here's my short, very untheological, maybe it's theological response to that. It's part of that sin curse that happened to us in the Garden of Eden where God said to the woman, you are going to desire your husband's status. The things that he has, you are going to want. And where he said to the husband, to the man, to Adam, you're gonna work every day of your life. Everything that you do is gonna be work. The things that come easy to you are not good for you. Work, 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 work. So here's what happens. We have a husband that's like, all I do is work. Nobody understands how hard I work. No, you know, nobody can do what I do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know? And then we've got the wife who's like, you got it so easy. Why does everybody give everything to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's part of that, that thing that happened when we sinned in the Garden of Eden. So let me, let me just offer you a different translation of that verse, and we'll see where that takes us. This is a paraphrase from the message. Here's what it says. The same goes for you husbands. Be good husbands to your wives. Honor them. Delight in them. As women, they lack some of your advantages. But in the new life of God's grace, you are what? Equals. You're equals. But there are some things that one of you struggles with and there are some things that the other of you struggles with. It says, treat your wives then as equals so your prayers don't run aground. Now, here's why this, this means so much to me because I learned it at a point in my life when I was praying, asking God to help me figure out some particular things as it pertains to my work and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it, seems like it, it seemed like he wasn't there. And, and so I was talking to a friend, a person I respect about that, and he, and he asked me, he said, how are you treating your wife? And I went, what? And then he pointed this verse out to me, and he says, well, it says right here, you know, be gentle and loving and, and honor her and delight her so that your prayers will not be hindered. See, to me at the time, this is what you guys have to know about me. I'm, a, I'm an intense person. 
I have an intense personality and I get my forehead pointed this way and that's where I'm headed. That's what I'm doing. And I tend to not pay attention to the people that are closest to me while I'm doing it. So at this particular time, I'm praying and praying and asking God, you know, and then what God said to me in that moment was, stop asking me for all that and start loving your wife and being gentle to her. And then things will begin to turn around for you. It was a very powerful thing to me. And it's something that I have to practice because my personality is I'm headed, jump on board, or get run over. And I had to learn how to not do that. You know, uh, also, my wife and I, we had to learn to, how to pray as a couple. I'm going to ask her to come out here uh, right now. We've got a little demonstration for you guys. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little story and, uh, and have some fun with you guys, too. So we're going to go right here. Yep. Isn't she beautiful? Yes. Very pretty. The class of our family. So um, years ago, hey, honey, how are you? Good. I thought I'd be loving and gentle to you right now in front of all these people. Good job. Okay, good. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So years ago, when we were first here at North Point, we were attending. Um, I didn't work here. Uh, somebody had invited us here, and we had been here a few months, and uh, they were having a marriage retreat, and we thought, let's go to the marriage retreat. Should be good. And if you've ever been to a marriage retreat, you know that you get there on Friday night, uh, they check you in, and um, uh, you, know, you have dinner, and they give you a room, and so on and so forth. And, um, and then um, they, you know, they tell you to come back Saturday morning for the first session. We all start learning things together. So we're like, great. So we do that. We have our pastry and coffee and stuff in the morning. It was good. And uh, nearing the end of the first session, they said, um, okay, now we're all going to turn our chairs knee to knee and pray for our spouse out loud. Wait, I didn't wear glasses then. I was like, we are? We had never done this before. And the pressure was on. Uh, but we survived it. We made it through. Honey, yeah. So we thought um, that we would just give you guys a quick demonstration of what that looked like and try to prove a very important point to you guys, okay? So we did. We took our chairs and we turned knee to knee like this. And uh, we got ready to pray for each other out loud. We're going to put a counter up in the uh, upper right corner of the screen. Not because we're trying to set a world record here, but to prove a point to you guys. And so we would really appreciate it if when we pray for each other, if you guys would just enter into a spirit of prayer with us while we do this, okay? Because it's a very powerful thing to hear somebody pray for you, especially husband and wife thing. So we did this, and I went first. Did I go first? I went first, didn't I? So um, we're going to start the clock now. There it goes. Okay. So Father, thank you for my wife and thank you for uh, giving her to me. And I want to ask you, God, to watch over her. Um, Father, as she starts her week, I pray that she would be rested, um, that she would feel confident uh, in her daily activities. God, would you keep her safe as she travels? Um, would you keep her uh, safe as she, as she works through her day? 
Um, God, would you bring her favor in her day and uh, bring her back to me um, because I love her and I'm grateful to have her in my life. And so God, just, just watch over her when she's away from me. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Father God, we just love you so much. I thank you for my husband. I thank you how you brought him to me and he's perfect for me, God. I just ask that you provide what he needs, which is strength and endurance to meet all um, of the daily needs. When he rests, Father God, I ask that you give him a deep, peaceful rest. When he interacts with people, God, I ask that you help him to be joyful and attentive. God, I ask that you keep him healthy and strong and give him a light heart and a happy spirit. And I ask for a hedge of protection around our marriage. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stop the clock. 147. Not that we were trying to set a record here, <laughs> but we're trying to prove a point to you guys. This took less than two minutes for us to do this. Thank you for sharing that with us, honey. Isn't she beautiful? <laughs> so we did that. We hope that if you aren't already doing that, you will, you will choose to do that at home uh, before you feel the pressure to do that because we feel like it's important that we can share those things. Here's the next, the next point for you guys. Always be willing to negotiate the toughest choices, the harder things in life. You know, negotiation is a level of intimacy beyond niceties and thoughtfulness. So we want to always be willing to negotiate those and learn how to do that. Uh, another moment that my wife Melissa and I had at a marriage retreat, um, you know, I'm the kind of guy when I, when I go to marriage retreats and the, and the presenters are up there presenting and... Um, uh, they're telling us all about how, how great things could be and all that. I'm the guy that's kind of sitting there doing this, going, dude, I know you do not act like that at home. <laughs> you know, because I don't want to do the things that he's saying. I'm like, man, come on, be real. This is, this is what I do. And so we were in one of those workshops and it was about communication, it was about active listening. Has anybody ever heard of active listening or the speaker-listener technique? Okay, so the, the way the speaker-listener technique works, active listening, is if, if you're like negotiating something, you're trying to settle something, you, you, you're at an impasse, you're trying to figure it out, you use this technique that basically looks like this. One person speaks what's on their mind, and then the other person says, Here's what I hear you saying. This is what I hear you saying. And so we sat through the workshop and we got all done and we walked out and I looked at Melissa and I said, I said, that was great. I said, the next time that we're having trouble, we need to use the speaker listener technique. I'll be the speaker and you be the listener. <laughs> it didn't work for her, but it worked for me a little bit for a minute. But we always want to be willing to negotiate the, the, the tougher things. 
The gifts of the Spirit that we're talking about here is demonstrating patience. Demonstrating patience, which, by the way, can also be translated as long-suffering. And then also self-control. We definitely need God's Holy Spirit to help us with patience and with self-control. So those are the two that we pull out to help support this point. Another thing that that somebody shared with me years ago that that I've kind of put in my pocket and and kept there for just when I need it is, you know, he, he said to me, he said, Mike, everybody wants marriage to always be 50-50 because we're equals. He said, but, but sometimes we, we can't be 50-50. You can't come to a conclusion sometimes when it's 50-50. The secret is figuring out what times you're gonna be 51 and what times you're gonna be 49. And I thought, that is wisdom that I need to keep. When am I 51 and carry the responsibility of being 51, and when am I 49? And I just say, I I see the wisdom in what you have to say to me because I know that's why God put my wife here to help me figure some things out. Ephesians chapter five says this, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body as the church submits to Christ so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And this is the key right here, guys. He gave up his life for her. Gave up his life for her. If you train your eyes, look all the way to the bottom now. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but he feeds it and he cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. You know, when, when, when our body, when our body has a private matter, we take care of it in private. When we need to cleanse our body, we do that in private. When our body has a private injury, we deal with it in private. This is the same way when as husband and wife, we're having difficulties, there are some conversations that only need to happen in private. Please remember to be careful about that devouring, backbiting type of thing that we started out the message time with and how that is not a relationship builder. It's a relationship destroyer to do those kind of things. Be kind and good to each other, especially when you're in public. If you have something to settle, settle it in private and show each other that love and respect. This is one of the things, there's two things in particular that I loved about re-engage. You know, we do this re-engage ministry here at North Point. The first one is, you, they give you these things to, to, to investigate about yourself and, and talk about as a couple, but they instruct you to have a private conversation before you come to group and talk about it in group and make a decision as to like, hey, here's what we share in group. You know, this is good practice for, for keeping some things private. And this is what we, we keep to ourselves. The other thing that I loved about re-engage is they talk about staying in your circle, keeping on your side of the street, working on yourself and trusting that your, your husband or wife is working on themselves as well. 
Now, we have a re-engaged session meeting right now. It's already launched. It's already going. Uh, we'll, we'll start another one in the spring. You can't jump into this one right now. But I just wanted to mention it to you guys because it is a valuable program. Very good program no matter where your marriage is. No matter what part you're in, no matter how early, how late, how troubled, how good, uh, re-engage is going to help you strengthen your marriage. But I want to pause for one moment just to speak to those of you that are in the room and you might be saying to yourself, my, my marriage is really in trouble or my, my marriage is past everything that I've heard you say. I want to encourage you today, this morning, to, to, to reach out, to reach out to us. Um, and I'm talking about us, your, your church staff, your pastors. Um, contact me directly. Um, do not suffer in silence. Uh, reach out and let us help you. God can restore your marriage and it can start today. Just reach out. Don't give up. Don't give up, okay? I mean, there's, there's dozens of things that we can point you towards that I don't have time to do now. But I can, I can just say to you, we can, we can help you. Okay, so don't give up, reach out. Okay, so I went with all rhymes today. We wanna instigate niceties and thoughtfulness. We wanna educate ourselves about our spouse. We wanna negotiate through tough choices. And then here's the last one. Always be aware of the full meaning of the word consummate. Consummate. And I use this one on purpose because of the connotation it has when you just say the word cons consummate and marriage at the same time. It means a particular thing. And you guys are all aware of that, so I won't spend time explaining it. But what about when the word is used as an adjective? It's even pronounced different. Are you guys aware of this? It's consummate. It's like, she is a consummate professional. He is the consummate special teams player for that football team. Basically, the root of that word means that, that something ha has been brought or is being brought to perfection. It, 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 it's reaching towards exactly what it's supposed to be. There's even a reference to this word in the Old Testament prophetically, symbolically, where the Bible is talking about how everything that's bad ends and everything that's good begins. A consummation. A consummation. I'm convinced when we all get to heaven, the awkwardness of human relationship will be gone. In the meantime, we're here with each other. Okay? Always be aware of the full meaning. It, it, the word is talking about something that's being brought to a finality, to perfection, becoming what it's supposed to be. Two became one. It's consummate. The gifts of the Spirit that we're talking about here are faithfulness and joy. You know, uh, displaying faithfulness is, is just, it's key. It's key in marriage. And I'm not talking about sexual fidelity. I'm talking about faithfulness as a forgiver. Faithfulness as a respecter. Let me, let me ask you guys a question. 
Why would you not forgive the person that's closest to you? Why? No matter what they've done, God forgave you for everything up to this moment, just for your asking. Why would you take one thing and say, I can never forgive you for that? We don't want to do that. We want to we be faithful forgivers. You know, the Bible says, this is not on the screen, it's not in your notes. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And remember, my kingdom in you, Jesus says, will produce a righteousness that will transform your relationships. Why would you not want to display that for another human being? And just take that as your overall disposition. I forgive you. It was hard. I forgive you. When you do that, when you make your relationship that safe, that's where joy comes. Joy through any circumstance. Because you know you're going to get through it together no matter what it is, no matter what. And you can have joy. So let's look again. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Doing the things that we're talking about today requires God's help. It requires his word, his spirit, his power. And so let, let me close with just one, one more little series of illustrations for you guys. It'll be very quick. You'll notice the triangle in the, in the lower right-hand corner of your notes. Um, many of you have seen this before. If I've done any premarital counseling with you, you have obviously seen this before because I've drawn it out for you. <laughs> usually on a little square piece of paper, and when I'm done with it, I hand it to the would-be husband for him to put in his pocket, right? Because as guys, we just need to, we just need to remind ourselves of some things. But, but basically, it's, it just starts out like this. You, you guys see man, woman, God in the, in the triangle. You go to the next one. Let's go to the next triangle. There we go. All right. As each of them get closer to God, they get closer to each other. That's a nice visual, right? Okay, let's move to the next one. In this one, we've got one of us headed towards God and one of us standing still, doing nothing. And so we are what? Further apart. More space has been created in between us. And then let's go to the next one. All right. Guys, we know this happens. We know it does. Um, we should be after God's heart, but we're after the woman's heart. In other words, we're drifting towards her. This is not God's plan for us, and this does not make us more Christ-like, okay? All right, let's go to the, the last one here. Okay. Now, we know this can happen. We, we know it can. The Bible tells us that it can, that that a wife can pray for her husband and eventually lead him to God. Even if we take the wife and the husband out of the picture and we just have two people there, we know that one person uh, can lead another person to God just by virtue of their relationship with God and by sharing that with the other person, right? Here's the thing I want you guys to get. Once that happens, 
Once each of the two individuals have their own relationship to God, that one person needs to move over on that other side of the triangle and not live their spiritual relationship with God through another human being, but go directly to God. And men, if I can just say to you, this is back to that Garden of Eden stuff, right? This is what happened in the Garden of Eden. It's the same thing that happens when you go to the gift shops over on the Embarcadero at Morro Bay, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. The woman is looking at the things and the man's looking over her shoulder like this. Oh, you gonna buy that? That looks interesting. Guys, that's exactly what we were doing in the Garden of Eden. Here's what, here's what the Bible says. I used to think it was a big joke. Yeah, the woman, you know, she got deceived and so then she gave it to the man and, and he got deceived by the woman. It was, you know, it was very laughable to me until I read the part where the Bible says, the woman gave some to the man who was with her. Like she didn't run off and go get him. He was with her. He was doing this. He was letting her be the one to carry the emotional load of that moment, to carry the spiritual load of that moment. When he belongs on his own side of the triangle, not trying to do those things through her. This is not God's plan for us. Move to your side of the triangle and build your relationship with God. One more time, Galatians 5.22. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. We've talked about love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What about peace? It's highlighted up here. What about peace? You can begin to experience peace in your relationships, peace in your marriage today if you just start doing the things that we've talked about, practicing them, we're not perfect at them, start practicing them and start your relationship with God, married or not married. If you need peace today, this is what the key is to all the other relationships that we have. Start your relationship with God and the gift of the Holy Spirit that is peace come with it. Bow with me for a word of prayer. God, thanks for the time that we've had together. Thank you that you've brought us all into this safe space to learn things from your word, to encourage each other with your word, to challenge ourselves with the things that we know we should be doing. Thank you. We give you praise for that. God, for those of us that are, that are broken right now, that are lost, that are wondering, maybe even on the fence about knowing you and accepting relationship with you, together as a church family, we just pray safety and blessings around that moment so that any one of us in this room 
that needs to say, God, I need you, can do that. God, I need you to save me. I need you to save my marriage. I need you, God, to help me with my relationships. I realize that I've missed out. Thank you for accepting me no matter where I've been and no matter what I've done up to this moment. And I can look forward to growing and living with you in my life from this point forward. If that's you, will you just take a moment to invite him in? Let him help you get rid of the outbursts of anger, the bitterness, the selfishness, the lust, the jealousy. And just allow him to fill you up with his Holy Spirit in this moment as you surrender to him. In Jesus' name.